Glad you're here. Glad you're with us. We're in a series, in the third week of a series that we're calling Will Call, right? We're in a series. We're talking about the will of God. We're talking about the call of God. We're talking about what it is exactly. And what we discovered, I'll catch you up for those of you who are, are joining us today. The first week of this series, we talked about what the will of God is. What's God's will? A lot of us have, you know, it seems like your natural progression is once you discover that God loves you, he wants to to give you and transform you into a new life and give you grace, you start to ask yourself this question. You discover he's got a plan for you. And he's got, we talk about this all the time in in church, God has a will for our life. And so we started to talk about what is that will. And what we discovered was through looking at scripture that God has the same will for every single person who walks this earth. For the person sitting next to you, for me, for the people that you're going to invite to church next week, for all these people out here. God's will for all of humanity is this, to worship God by being transformed into the image of his son and by making disciples. That's what God's will is for all of us. We are created to worship God. Our hearts beating, our our obedience to him is an act of worship. And as we begin to do these acts of worship, we are transformed into the image of Christ. And what that does is that reflects his glory that's being changed inside of us into the world around us. And we begin to engage in intentional relationships and conversations with people. And that's what Jesus calls making disciples, right? Let's go back that way. Yeah. I know it. It's a good truck. All right. And so then we discovered that that's what God's will is for all of us. That's the why you are here. That's why he's put breath in your lungs. That's why there's blood pulsing and pumping through your heart. Because he wants you. He's created you to worship him. Right? The Bible also describes it in a different way in that if, if you are in Christ, then you're a part of, the Bible calls it the body of Christ. We're all a part of the body of Christ, but each of us has a different role to play in the body. There's not one body on this world, this earth, that's made up of all right hands, right? And within your own body, there's many, many, many different parts. And each of us has a different part to play. And last week, we called that the call of God. That's God's specific, tailor-made plan for you. So if, if the why is God's will, the what is God's call, then this week we're going to talk about the gifts that he gives us. That's the how. And we kind of talked about this, this uh, little diagram right here, right? And so many times in our life, what my goal and my prayer for you this week has been that you could be able to find the center of these three circles. and You could be living within God's will for you, living within that, that, that call that God has placed in you. And then today, Discover, help to discover what the gifts are that God has given specifically for you to accomplish these things. And when you do that, where all three of these circles intersect, that's your destiny. That's your ministry's destiny on earth. That's, that's the most effective place that you can be while you're living this side of heaven. And you know what I love about the Bible? I love that the Bible is not an antiquated text. Right? I love that there's not the newest volume of the Bible that comes out every few years because the old one is expired. It's not like a science textbook, right? Its truths are just as applicable and applicable and relevant to me today as they were to the saints that read the scriptures thousands of years ago. It's because it's not just a text, because it's the living, breathing, active word of God. 
Like the ice, ha- it, 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 it's alive, it's fresh today. Like the ice hasn't melted in the drink, right? It's moving, it's active. And, and you see that, I think, perfectly illustrated in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 7, that's where we're going to start today, and then we're going to go to a few different verses. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. This is where we're talking about spiritual gifts. Paul writes to this church that he helped plant in Corinth. He says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when we were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. Here's what I want you to notice today. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. See, the Bible talks a lot about, in the New Testament especially, about about this idea of spiritual gifts. And these gifts, number one, are something that God has given specifically to you to accomplish your purposes and your call as you live within God's will for your life. And this, it, it, the idea of thinking, I'm going to get to discover my destiny may seem so out there and far and scary and bizarre, but honestly, sometimes we make it out to be a little more than maybe it should be. Because ultimately, if we're living within these three circles, if you are worshiping God by being transformed into the image of His Son, you're making disciples, living out the calling or your purpose that He's placed with you within the body of Christ and using the gifts that He's given you, I don't hear a lot of your own decisions in that, do I? Ultimately, you're doing what God created you to do. You're living out the way that He told you to live out. And you're using the gifts that he gave you. Folks, we don't get a choice. The pressure's off of you if you're in Christ. I say it all the time. We don't, if you're in Christ, you don't have to be the decision maker for your life. You just get to be the decision teller or the decision listener. Because we serve a God who has such a better interest and, and such a greater heart for your life than you do. God's plans for your life are so much greater than your plans for your life. God has your best interests at heart, sometimes better than my own interests for me. And whenever I can rest in that fact and find that foundation, all of these other circles start to make sense. And whenever we start to realize these gifts that he gives me are to accomplish his purposes, again, it makes me realize I was bought with a price. I am not my own. I mean, another way to say it is, if you're in Christ, you don't get a say in it. Remember we talked last week about how sometimes in my family, my kids tell me a lot about what they don't want to do or what they don't like to do. And we had a conversation during the past nine and a half days while Mrs. Dutton has been away in the States and we've survived and been well fed and taken baths every day, I'm proud to report. No teeth have been rotted. We've brushed our teeth every day. We smell as good as three boys can smell, right? But 
one of the conversations we had was, well, I don't want to do that. And to, the, to the reply that the loving, righteous dad said, well, I don't care. But sometimes I think that I, I, I tell God, I don't want to do this. I'm, I, this. This is painful. I don't want to do that. I think sometimes God just replies back and says, I don't care, Brad. This is what I've told you to do. Christianity is simple. It's listen and obey. How many times do we say that at home, boys? We say that a lot? Uh-huh, yes. Did you hear the, the pain in their voice in that reply? Right? It's listen and obey, but that's Christianity. It's following Jesus. It's listen and obey. So if you, start to, if you were to start to study spiritual gifts, if you were to start to read through the New Testament and look for this idea, this concept of, of spiritual gifts, one of the first places you would find it would be in the book of Romans. Very first chapter of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, 11, and 12, I think gives us kind of a good picture of what um, spiritual gifts are. That's where we can start. This is when Paul writes to the church in Rome. Paul says this. He says, I long to visit you so that I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. Verse 12, when we were together, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith but I also want to be encouraged by yours. And so what we saw in 1 Corinthians 12 was that God gives us all a gift. But then what Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 1 is when I come visit you, I want to give you a spiritual gift. Is, that a, is, is there a contradiction in Scripture there? No, not at all. I don't think that's a contradiction of Scripture. I think what that is is that's Paul's way of saying, hey, I've got a word from God that I want to come and share with you. And this word that I think God wants me to give to you is going to encourage you. It's going to be, be, be something that strengthens you. And it's given to me by the Spirit of God to, to strengthen your faith. So the first thing we see right off the bat is this, is that spiritual gifts are for the strengthening of others. The gifts that God has given you are not to elevate your platform, elevate your influence. The gifts that God has given you specifically are to strengthen others, to build up others, to encourage others. The spiritual gifts that God has given us are for the strengthening of others. Now that's not to say, even you see this in, in, in chapter 12, that we don't get joy out of using our gifts, right? I think for so long we, 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 we wrestle with this idea of, you know, if God tells me what to, if, if I don't have a say in this, then I just got to do what God tells me to do, right? But then there's that scripture that says, delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the, 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 the desires of your heart. How, how did those two align? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Maybe these are just the questions that pastors ask themselves, right? We ask ourselves weird questions, I admit it. But the, the idea is this. If we desire what God desires, ultimately, as we're being transformed into the image of Christ, what we want, what we desire changes. When I was 13 years old, the thing I wanted and desired more than anything else in this world was a brand new pair of Air Jordans. That was it. But as I grew up, I started to desire other things, right? 
like my wife. No, I'm kidding. But the, the idea is that as we begin to change, as we begin to mature in our faith, we realize what we thought we really wanted for our life was really nothing compared to what God wanted us to desire for our life. And as you begin to desire and find what God values, you start to value that. And then all of a sudden what happens is there's this transformation that takes place in your heart. And your priorities shift. And then all of a sudden, you start to get excited about, hey, I've got, I found some extra money at the end of the month. That means I get to give to somebody. And that's completely contradictory to what 13-year-old Brad thought. 13-year-old Brad was excited that he had some extra money from mowing yards in the States, right? That's how you make money in the U.S. is that you borrow your parents' lawnmower, you borrow their gasoline, then you go off and mow your neighbor's grass, and then you think you earned all that money, right? That's bad economics, but it makes sense to a 13-year-old. But as a 13-year-old, you get excited because you had some extra money. And what was the first thing you wanted to do with as a 13-year-old? Spend it on yourself. But I became a believer when I was 16. I started to place my faith in Christ when I was a teenager, and God began to transform me. That's not to say I still don't buy myself things, okay? I bought myself a sweater this week, okay? But I didn't desire the sweater more than anything in life. I got more joy out of buying my kids a Nerf gun and a dinosaur this week than I did ever, that a sweater would ever give me. So when we, when we place our, when we begin to, to have that shift, the things that we desire are the things that God desires. And all of a sudden, the desires of our heart are what God had for us in the first place. And then all of a sudden, you get excited whenever you get to share a word with someone that encourages them. Or whenever you get to welcome someone into your spiritual family. Or whenever you get to pray for someone. If I can give anybody this, if, you, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is the best piece of pastoral advice I was ever given, Okay. And everybody in here, I believe, has the power to be a minister because you have Christ living in you. Never pass up an opportunity to pray for somebody. It's the best bit of pastoral advice I could ever have received. I didn't, I didn't learn it in seminary. One of, my, one of my pastors at one point said, never pass up an opportunity to pray for someone. But you get excited because you find those moments. Because you're beginning to be transformed into God's image. And you get joy out of operating in those gifts. But you get the joy, but it's not for you. You get the joy because you see what God has done in the person's life. So uh, the spiritual gift you see through this scripture is that spiritual gifts are for the strengthening of others. So to strengthen someone by a spiritual gift means to help their faith not give way as easily when trouble hits their life. The interesting thing about spiritual gifts is this, too. I'm not going to get into all of the lists and the tests that you can take to figure out your spiritual gift because I want to take it from another approach today. But I want to say something really quick up here at the beginning, kids, before your parents do fall asleep, okay? Is this, spiritual gifts... Do not exclude you from any part of ministry. What I mean by that is just because you find out you don't have the gift of mercy, 
doesn't exclude you from showing mercy to people, right? Just because you don't have the gift of intercession doesn't mean you get a pass to not pray for people, okay? That's not how it works. Just because you don't have the gift of evangelism doesn't mean your call to make disciples in this world is exempted, right? It just means that you have these, if you do have the gift of evangelism, if you do have the gift of intercession, if you do have the gift of mercy, they're expressed in in different ways from those of us who don't have that. Also, your spiritual gift never exempts you from living in God's will or God's call for you. They're all work in harmony. And we all need the church to be operating in her gifts to truly accomplish the purposes of the church. Right? If we are a church that exists to build up, empower, and encourage people who... That was all right. Okay. All right. I need to start giving out more free coffee on Sundays, I guess. No. If, we, if we're a church that exists to change the world, the only way we're going to do that is if everybody in this church believes in what we are called to do and operates in our gifts that God has given us. Because we have everything within, our, within the walls of this church, within the family of this church right now, we have everything it takes to accomplish the call and the mission of this church. God would not call us to, to live out, God would not give us this God-sized calling and not give us all the tools and the gifts and the people we need to accomplish it today. So it's not like we're just waiting for the right people to come and then it'll happen. If anything, we're waiting for all of our people to realize, wow, God's put this calling on us and we get to live this out. Let's do this thing, right? Spiritual gifts do not exclude you from any type of ministry within the church. Just because you don't love children, basically, if you have the gift of mercy, it doesn't exclude you from children's ministry. If anything, it means I have the gift of mercy, therefore when I serve in kids' ministry or whenever I am a, a host in our church, whenever I have to set up or make coffee for people, here's how I do that because I operate my gifts. It just means you approach it from a different way. But what I want to get to you today is this. Don't worry about whether you can point to prophecy or teaching or wisdom or knowledge or healing or miracles or mercy or administration or et cetera and say, that's mine. Like the, the thing to think about is this. The reason we have spiritual gifts is so that we can strengthen other people's faith. So here's a person whose faith is in jeopardy. Right? Here's a person whose life is in the balance. So how can I help them in this moment? What can I say or do that seems helpful to that person? And if they're helped, as you do that, you begin to discover, I'm better, I'm good at this. I'm discover that. You know, I think the main problem with a lot of, a lot of the church today, a lot of us today, maybe even me today, is that, that you realize that the problem of not knowing your spiritual gift is not the most basic problem. More basic, the most basic problem is not desiring very much to strengthen people's faith. Let me say that again. The, 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 not, the basic problem with a lot of us today is, that, is not that we don't know what our gifts are. The most basic problem 
is that a lot of us don't really care to strengthen people's faith. Because if we really did care to strengthen people's faith, to invest in people, to to come alongside people, we'd do whatever would be necessary. And it wouldn't matter if we don't have the gift of mercy. We can show mercy. So that's where we begin to see that. As you begin to read on, now obviously there's many, many, many different verses and passages that, that touch on um, spiritual gifts. But for the rest of today, I want to point out four things that we see in 1 Peter chapter 4. Just two verses. 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 10 and 11 for the rest of the day. And again, I haven't put the scripture on the board because I want to keep this visual of these three circles up as much as I can because I think as you begin to see this, I want you to begin to, to ask yourself, where am I aligning in these circles? Where am I aligning in these circles? 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Verse 11, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies, and then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So I think there's four things that we can see here. First is this. Each of us has received a gift. There's no really other way that we can interpret that, is there? Each of you has received, that means being given a gift by God himself. They're not for the few, but for all. And every believer has abilities which the Holy Spirit has given to you so you can use to strengthen others. And I have to tell you, it is a supreme joy of life to discover what your gifts are and then pour yourself out into others through these gifts. For some of, for some of you, the idea of getting up and teaching and, and preaching the word of God terrifies you and scares you to death. Me too, by the way. Okay? 14-year-old Brad, I've told you this story before, right? 14-year-old Brad, if, if I was to go back and tell Mrs. Smith, my public speaking teacher when I was in middle school, what I do for a living today, she would fall out of her chair laughing. Because I one time gave an informational speech in, my, in my, my public speaking class that was supposed to be four and a half minutes long and it was 32 seconds because I was scared to death of standing up in front of a crowd and giving any kind of public speaking. But God in his great wisdom and humor has given me this calling of life. And he, as along the way, has given me the gifts to be able to interact and, and put parents to sleep. Am I right, kids? Kids, are, you, are your parents sleeping yet? No? Okay, good. You're doing a good job. Okay? But each of us has received a gift, and it, is, it gives you such a great... I can't tell you the joy that I get from seeing a truth that God has placed in his word and getting insight through the Holy Spirit and how to present these truths to you so that it's relevant to you today and in a, in a portion that you can consume within just 40 minutes, but apply it to the rest of your life. And I can see it every single week on you. As God impacts your life, as God is changing your life, I'm standing here and I'm watching it as I'm speaking. It is the greatest privilege of my life to get to stand here and preach this word to you. 
Because I get to see you be transformed into the image of God's Son right in front of me. And God's truths that never really made sense to you click because God speaks through me. And that has nothing to do with my abilities. Believe me. If you don't believe me, go find Mrs. Smith in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Because she's seen what Brad's abilities are. All 32 seconds of them. Right? You will get no greater joy in life than when you use your gift to strengthen and encourage other people's faith. Second, the second, I, what I see, I, I get an image when I read verse 10. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So there's a couple things that jump out at me. Number one, God, the, the, the image that I get is of a house in this. It's a house of variously talented stewards, variously talented managers who are given the owner's funds to administer. That's kind of the image that I see. I see when I read verse 10, a, a house filled with variously talented managers or stewards who are given the owner's funds to administer. Now this house is the church and the stewards are all of you. And the various talents are all of our varied gifts. The funds are God's grace. And the administration is the exercise of our gifts. But the most striking of this is analogy between the owner's funds and God's grace because we are all recipients of grace. If you're in Christ, you have received much undeserved favor through Christ and it is our duty to distribute this grace, to hold high this grace to the world around us. So it's the church's job to be these incredibly talented people like you are. Living in obedience to God's will, to worship Him by being transformed to the image of His Son and discover what your calling is and use the gifts and talents that God has given you to accomplish those purposes. And I know, again, I know this seems like it's a very far-reaching and far-fetched and, and maybe hard-to-grasp thing, but and so what I want to challenge you beginning this week is this. Maybe the idea of finding your true destiny is too difficult for you. Maybe it's too, too abstract, too way out there, too on the horizon for you. Well, then why don't you do this? Just start with what's in front of you. Start with what's in front of you. Find a place within this church to use your gifts. Are you gifted in leadership? Well, let's find something for you to lead, to speak truth into. Do you have the gift of intercession? There's some people in our church that every week need prayer. Let's gather together and pray for them. Let's not think of the changing the world as so far out there. Ultimately, if one person's life is changed in this place, the entire world is changed, right? If one person's life is changed, the world is changed. And if you think of it that way, changing the world doesn't seem that out of reach, does it? Does it? Third thing, but, but just start right here. Start with what's in front of you. Start with serving your family. 
Start with praying for your children. Start with encouraging your coworkers. Start with finding ways to contribute to the mission and the vision of this church. Start with what's in front of you. The third thing we see through this, though, is that grace can be distributed through gifts of word or deed. Verse 11 says this. Do you have the gift of speaking? And speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. So there's gifts that God gives that are spoken gifts. There's also gifts that are do action or doing gifts. Or gifts of deed. But the beauty of spiritual gifts, what I love that God has given us is that spiritual gifts just kind of level the playing field. There's not one gift that's any more important than another gift. But we tend to kind of elevate or deify different gifts within the church, right? If you come from a more uh, traditional, not traditional, conservative, Bible, ba- Bible, Baptist, whatever you want to call it, background, we tend to, in these types of churches or, or spiritual traditions, we tend to deify gifts like, like leadership, teaching, evangelism. We tend to kind of deify those, right? Like elevate them. If you had those gifts, you'll be kind of on the fast track to leadership or or ministry in these traditions. But in your more kind of charismatic traditions, we tend to deify gifts like prophecy or tongues or or discernment, right? Where where if you have these type of gifts, you kind of be more elevated. But that's not what God is saying. When you look at the, the idea of spiritual gifts, ultimately... The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. One part of the body can't say that it it is more important than any other part of the body. Right? According to the word of God, an ankle is just as as important as a wrist. And that's why I love about these gifts is that they level the playing field. So that no one can boast. Right? If we are to distribute grace... We can't boast in what the grace that has given us has given us these gifts to use. It's not by works we've been saved. It's by grace. We can't boast in the fact that we were saved. We can't boast in the fact that we have these gifts. So whatever gift we've been given levels the playing field for us. But it also helps us to accomplish the purposes that God has given us, right? In my, in, my, in my home right now, we're reading through The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Almost every single night, if Dad's not too tired, um, he's been very tired this week, but almost every night we read through a chapter of the book. And we, if you know the story of C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you'll know this portion of the book. But in, in the story, there comes a part, a part where the children, the main characters, discover and meet Santa Claus in this land called Narnia. And Santa Claus gives each of them a gift. He gives them a present because for the first time in a long, I hope I'm not ruining this book for most of you, okay? But um, in the the story, Santa Claus gives each of them a gift, but he says the gift is to help them with their mission while they're in Narnia. To Peter, he gives a sword. To Susan, he gives a bow and an arrow and a horn, right? Is that right, Ryan? Okay. And then to Lucy, he gives a potion and a dagger, right? Yeah. That's right. And Edmund gets in trouble, okay? But the gifts were used as the story goes on 
to help accomplish the mission. And the gifts that God has given you are to help accomplish the mission. Right? So the aim, number four, the aim of all spiritual gifts is that in everything, God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. Is that in everything, God might be glorified in Jesus. And this means that God's aim in giving us these gifts and in giving us the faith to exercise them is that his glory might be displayed into the world around you and, and call people to worship him. And he wants us And he wants the world to marvel at him and think he is fantastic. Which he is. Think about how fantastic God is. Take a moment today, this week, to just sit back and say, you know what, God, show me how fantastic you are. And he'll show off. He'll show off. I mean, this is the God who invented a duck-billed platypus. Right? Think about that thing. Think of the mind of the person that invented that. Right? But ultimately, these stupendous realities of God are that he's given us these gifts to bring people to him, to accomplish his purpose, to accomplish the mission. So again, this week, I don't want you to get so caught up in asking yourself, what is my gift? as much as I want you to get caught up in asking yourself, who around me right now needs their faith strengthened? Who around me right now looks like they're hurting? Who around me right now looks tired? Who around me right now looks like they need something? Who around me right now can I walk alongside and strengthen? Because whenever we start to view the world through those lenses, whenever you start to look at your community from that perspective, God will give you the gift you need to help strengthen that person's faith. So don't worry so much about what your specific gift is. God will show you that. I mean, and ultimately, to enjoy any present, you've got to unwrap it, right? But it still takes the first act of ripping that paper open. So in order for you to rip that paper open, you've got to start asking yourself around you, who has God placed along my path today whose faith needs to be strengthened? Let's pray. God, I pray right now that you show us, put somebody, bring a person to mind in our, in, our, in our mind right now, somebody in our life who we need to reach out to and strengthen their faith. Somebody we can see is just hanging on. Somebody we can see needs a word of encouragement. Somebody who is getting dangerously close to the edge that we need to speak truth into to help bring them back. Somebody we can sit with in their pain. Somebody we can encourage along the way. God, change the way we view spiritual gifts and let us see the world 
the way you see it and help us to, to see why you've put us in these people's lives, put us in these people's lives so that we can help be a part of their faith being strengthened and encouraged. No matter how old we are, God. Whether we be 7, 17, 37, or anywhere in between. 47, it doesn't matter, God. You, you can, as long as there is breath in our body, that means you have a plan and a purpose for us in every season. So God, help us to see people in our life that need their faith strengthened and you brought us into their life for that purpose. And I pray an extra portion of courage for us to be that person to someone. Because God, I am thankful for the people that you put in my life during those times when I needed my faith strengthened. How much they mean to me today. And I don't know where I'd be without them. I pray that you would allow our church, these people in front of me, everybody listening to this message, to, to be that person to somebody this week. Give us eyes to see. Give us a heart full of courage to open up the gift, open up the wrapping paper this week. Thank you. I pray you bless your church this week. I pray you bless each of us to, to, to live out our life in the middle of your will, live out our calling, our purpose, and use and operate the gifts you've given us to strengthen the faith of others around us and to make disciples. God, I love you. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, thank you so much for coming this week. I pray that God blesses you this week as you look for people's faith to strengthen. May you have the courage to step into it and do it no matter what it looks like, whether it be through generosity, whether it be through mercy, whether it be through prophecy, whatever it is, have the courage to do it and God will bless you for it. You'll get that joy that only comes from using the gifts of God, okay? I believe in you. I love you. I'm cheering for you this week. I had fun. Let's do this again next Sunday. What do you say? Yeah? Okay. Thank you. Have a good week. We'll see you next Sunday. Be blessed. You are dismissed.